turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Here's the continuation from last week's program, part two of On the Road with Jesus. But also learn how to integrate with another ministry that had very distinct ideas in how to train up people that are coming out of a lifestyle with very little structure and putting a ton of structure in their life to get them to uh, be able to walk in some sort of discipline. As believers, you know that part of the study of the Word is that we learn to conform ourselves to what God's Word says. And when you come out of the world and you've had a messy life and you haven't had structure uh, and you submit yourself to a ministry that is looking to place structure in your life, it is a crash of values. And so anyway, it was uh, it was quite an opportunity to be able to minister but come under and bring a unity and a bond between two different denominations. And I saw a beautiful integration. And that's so life for me because there is a lot of disunity in parts of the body. Mm-hmm. And here I got to experience, you know, um, just a wonderful integration and such an appreciation. And I got to see women on a week to week basis working out their salvation, working out their issues. And then at the same time, I was learning prayer models that um, assist in helping people deal with some of the past wounds that make it hard for some people to be able to grab a hold of that Bible you just read and make it their own. Because sometimes the wounding um, is a louder voice Mm -hmm. than the Word of God. And so being able to, and and that's a large part of my life right now, is being able to help people um, bring the pain to the Lord, have him heal that inner pain so that they can allow him to fill them with his strength and walk the walk. Right. You know, it's interesting that two things that I was thinking of when you were speaking was, number one, being that second voice of reason that could speak life into the women because they were getting that Monday, you know, six, seven days a week from their leadership there. But you were just saying yes and amen to all the things that were happening. But it was a different voice. And sometimes that other voice is so, you know, it's like 
parents that tell their kids to do something all the time, and then, you know, the kids' parents, the kids' friends' parents might come by and tell them the same thing, and it's so much more accepted by that per- by the child. So it's it's that second voice that they love hearing, um, and I remember them loving you to pieces um, as as we um, tried to do that. What we did it? Did we do it weekly or was it every Monday? Monday mornings. How did we do that? God. <laughs> oh my gosh, we were younger too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and we even served lunch. Yeah. How did we do that? Uh, that was more you. Okay. I'm not the best. I'm a heat and serve kind of girl. Yeah. You're I, more I, the cook. I I'm a heat and serve girl too. When it gets uh, as I've gotten older. But okay, so that was so much fun. Just the memories of that is so good. Um, I well, you know why it's fun? Because we got to see God working. work in people's lives. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's that's the fun part, is watching women respond, you know, hearing the next time you go, hearing them say, uh, you give a testimony of how something that was shared or prayed had uh, helped them move forward. And you just sit back and go, gosh, Lord, I just love you all the more. I know, I know, that's so good. Um, and, you know, um, it's no secret, both of us had no idea about that lifestyle. And mm-hmm. the hurt that was so deep that these women were in, um, many of them had been in prison, um, um, abused mentally, sexually, um, verbally. Um, alcohol and drugs was a big part of their life. And what a struggle to dig yourself out of that hole, but for God. And um, so thank you for sharing that, because, boy, does that bring back memories. Okay, so now we're, um, we're doing the Muslim ministry together. And um, Mark was, doing, was pastoring a church for people that had accepted the Lord, um, uh, previous Muslims, and you and your husband were doing the worship for our church. And it was just Sunday nights only in a quiet little place, which we didn't announce, but just would try to gather um, those Muslims that have accepted the Lord in a quiet place. And, and actually, it really was a blessing to us to start the week out with, um, with that. So share a little bit about that, because you've gone with us not just to do the worship there, but, but helping the others. Yeah. yeah, going to the mosque. Tell us about that. Well, that was such an eye-opener for me. You know, now we're talking, I don't know, was it around 2000? I, I met, I'd met George in 2000, and so the ministry went from 2000 to 2000, and it's still going on. But I think when you came on board, it was... More like 2001. Um, And, yeah. So, for me, as a believer, born and raised, you know, in the United States, uh, my parents are Dutch, um, naturalized citizens. And so, uh, uh, I lived in Orange County, in Westminster. Um, I think we moved in 68 or 69 to Orange County from down south Oceanside. Mm -hmm. So... I didn't have a lot of contact with Muslim people. Who did before 9-11, really? 
really. So, uh, and, and if they were around me, I wasn't taking note. Let's put it that way. So the speakers, you know, uh, there was a Pastor Scott that came in and spoke and others that came from, you know, different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And it was such an eye opener to learn about the Muslim religion in order to be able to communicate Jesus. Right. So there was a lot of learning for me. And, um, and the outreach was very different. It has to be very different. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about a culture that um, rejects its own and threatens its own if they cross over and accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of secret Christians uh, who are, are born in Muslim families mm-hmm. because of the threats. So uh, it was such an eye-opener and humbling because you realize that there are places where people are having to risk their safety by announcing that they have accepted the Lord. And that's something that as Christians in this country, we really don't experience. Not really. Not when you start to meet people from other places where the penalty can be death or torture or just rejection from your family. Right. I can remember, I won't tell you the name, but a woman that was over 21 that accepted the Lord and she told her parents and they were about ready to kill her. And she said, you've got to pick me up now. And I went to get her and she hid in the back of my car as I raced out of the neighborhood trying to get her away from her family. It was, anyhow. um, It's an eye opener. It is. It is. Yeah. So. Um, you got involved in all of the outreaches that we did, as well as um, taking advantage of all the classes that we held, because, you know, George and Mark, we, I mean, we got together in 2000, and 9-11 hadn't happened. And, or Mark and I felt called to go to Pakistan in the year 2000. I remember that. And that hadn't happened. 9-11 hadn't happened. And then it did. And we met George right at that time, right after it happened. But um, so his ministry was really timely, not just, you know, for us, but for the church. So um, you got involved again, had uh, with both feet jumping in the water. Um, and, and then um, you continued to have Bible studies, if I recall. Um, so tell us about that. So we've had... Um a home fellowship on Thursday nights for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And it never was about, it, it was about supporting the church. And I think, um, you know, uh, I think the influence that I had talked about earlier, our first, you know, church, my husband and I uh, attended, you know, trying to be a unifying force in, in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what Thursday nights was about, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we saw people come from different churches and we had fellowship in the home and prayed for people. Okay. So yeah, and we still do that. Praise the Lord for that. Now, Dina, I I also remember that um we would go to the park to share Christ. Now, you'd call and say, "I'm going, whoever's on board, you know, come on. We're going to be praying first and go out." And sometimes I join you and sometimes they didn't. But um I remember people eyes being opened 
through those times of going to the park or sharing Christ in the, let's just say, the marketplace, which is where the Lord wants us, is sharing Christ everywhere. So tell me a little bit about that, because um, I remember that being so blessed. So go ahead. So I, I had, let me go back a little bit before that. Okay. So I had done ministry within the body of Christ. And the Lord started to signal, I want to send you out. So you've been in the church running mom and kids fellowships, teaching in the women's home. Now I want to send you out. So I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. So uh, at the time, I was a vintage dealer. And I would go to the... Um, so tell us about what that means. So a vintage dealer is someone who goes out and searches and hunts for vintage tablecloths and glassware and, you know, stuff like that. And I was was selling at an antique mall. So uh, here's the Lord, you know, in the background. I want to send you out, you know. And... I was speaking with all the dealers that I bought from on a regular basis, uh, but the Lord was signaling something more. So one morning, uh, I was out, you know, five o'clock in the morning, lights just starting to come up, and I'm at the swap meet. I had been at uh, a Starbucks with a bunch of young people the night before until one o'clock in the morning. Mm. So I only had four hours of sleep talking to this woman about outreach. So I got a few hours sleep, jump in my big old Ford F-150, you know, go off to the swap meet. And as the light is lifting, I see a dealer who is set up and they didn't have a whole lot, but they had this painting and it was two women that are harvesting. That. Yes, yes, two still women. have that picture. Two harvesting in the field. It was a painting with a beautiful frame. And I looked at that, and immediately I knew the Lord was signaling, you know, that's the harvest. So uh, I went up to the woman, and this is early in the day. So prices are higher earlier in the day. And I said, how much do you want for that painting? Two dollars. I opened my belly pack, because they were still popular then, and I pulled out $2, and I handed the $2, and I took that painting, and it's still hanging in my family room. So um, shortly thereafter, I was at a vintage store in um, uh, Irvine, Irvine Tustin area, and um, we went into, some friends and I went into the store, and I started talking with the, with the German owner. And I looked down on the glass case where her register was, and there was a print of the same picture. And I said, there it is again. He's talking to me about the harvest again. Anyway, happened a third time. So the Lord was signaling, out, go out. So um, at the time, I got some training uh, in terms of getting with the Lord and hearing him about people that you might meet in the marketplace. So we would sit and we would just ask the Lord, where do you want us to go? And after some prayer time, we'd say, okay, what did you hear? What did you hear? And funny how God would triangulate exactly where we were supposed to go. 
So one heard, you know, I just had this sense of a McDonald's. Oh, I saw a movie theater. Okay, where is there a movie theater and a McDonald's? And we'd find it. And then he'd say, go find the person with the red shoes and the yellow T-shirt. And so we'd go out and we would find the person with the yellow shirt and the red, uh, yeah, what did I say? Yellow shirt and, and red shoes. So we would find the people that match those clues. And we would say, look, I'm supposed to find you. Wow, that's kind of interesting. Well, now what? Well, now I'm supposed to ask you, is there anything you need prayer for? Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Or people would be resistant. There was one fellow, uh, this story just broke me. Uh, and I, I've been retelling it lately to friends. Uh, we had gone to the Newport Beach Pier area. And I was really new at this. And uh, there was a man sitting on a wall. And he couldn't have matched the clues better. So I walked up and, and I said, I'm on a treasure hunt. And you match the clues. Look. And I show him the paper. He's all excited. And he says, now what? And I said, well, now I'm supposed to ask you, do you need prayer for anything? He became enraged. Enraged. And I'm looking at him like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You know, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, and my friend starts pulling my shirt like, time to go. So we left. And rest of the day, I was so disturbed. And I said, Lord, what is going on? And in prayer time, I felt like the Lord said, I will not be without a witness. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And I felt like over a couple of days, the Lord showed me, if that man never comes to know him, and when he stands before him, he'll say, I I do I love you. Somebody. I sent someone. And I'm telling you, I just fell in love with the Lord more. You know, the Lord sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And he provides the harvest in the field for everybody, even those who won't ultimately give their lives to him. And I, I just, it just wrecked me inside. So now when I share you know, with people in the marketplace, because it continues to be, um, you know, something that's regular in my life. If they reject me, or I think they're rejecting me, I remember that man. And I realized they're not rejecting me. And what is the worst thing that someone could say? You know, mm -hmm. honestly, it's nothing when I think of what Jesus paid for me, for that person to know him. So it's not about me. Yeah. It's about the gospel. And God has a big family and not everybody is back in the fold yet, you know. Exactly. So there is a harvest. Can I read one scripture out of sure. Matthew? Yes, of course. So this, this scripture um, just really grabbed me. It's in Matthew 9. 35 and 36, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, seeing the people. And now here's the part that just really got me. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd distressed and dispirited. So I looked up distressed and dispirited. Distressed is harassed. Dispirited is thrown down. So in this pandemic time, 
people have lost jobs. They're fearful of getting the COVID-19. Some people are fine. They have jobs. But there's enough people that are working this through with new fear, with new anxiety, with questions, a sense of hopelessness. When is this going to end? You know, is it ever going to end? You know how our mind tumbles. Right. So think about the fact that in this time, there are people who are distressed and dispirited, harassed or feeling thrown down. It was true in the time of Jesus, and it's true now. So when we are around people, there are different ways that the Lord will highlight people. I told you this morning that I ran into a little store, and I was grabbing a few things before driving out here. And there was a woman shopping next to me, and the Lord brought her right next to me. And so that was kind of like a, hmm, Lord, is there going to be an opportunity? So uh, then her boyfriend was yelling from the register, and he eventually started calling her names very loudly in the store, and he was demeaning her in a terrible way, and the mom in me was getting just a little annoyed. So I stood there, and I thought, Lord, how do you see her? And Jesus said, she's creative, she's caring, she doesn't think she's beautiful. And that's why she's buying that makeup. And she is someone that people go to. So I said, okay, Lord, am I following them outside? And I felt like the Lord said, now, in front of him. So I didn't take him to task. But I said, I have a question for you. Do people come to you for advice? Uh, yeah. Are you at, you're asking the girl. The girl mm-hmm. at the register. And I said, I I feel, she says, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, I was just standing here asking Jesus to tell me about you. And I started to compliment her. Words have power. So when there's a woman in a situation like this, and she's hearing these hurtful things, that starts to become her identity. It creates a wounding. Now, God wants to share his love. But that wounding that she has been receiving, maybe as a child, maybe in a, you know, an abusive relationship, becomes a barrier for her to be able to hear God's love. So one of the things that the Lord has shown me is just like Jesus going to the woman at the well, you know, I, I've learned to just listen to what God has to say about people. And now I feel like what I'm saying is this is how heaven sees you. This is how Jesus sees you. And then I said, you know, Jesus knows you so very well. You know, you can have a relationship with him. And this is all at the register. And the man was standing silent. I was a little prepared for him to get upset. But I, I, he didn't. So God took care of that. And she just didn't know how to take it except that she did say thank you, but you could see she was trying not to look up at him. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, the Lord had an opportunity to say, I love you, and I see who you really are. Mm -hmm. He's calling you this, but I see who you are. And I think what I anticipate is the revival that I believe is coming is one where God is going to demonstrate his love to people over and over. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Amen. You know, 
I hear you talking about sharing Christ and really speaking to the Lord as to who to speak to. And um, I think I know what that's like because Mark and I have gone to foreign countries where we met with a pastor that told us when you get to China, you're not allowed to hand out Bibles, don't even take them. You're not allowed to hand out tracts, and if you do, be very careful and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you as to who to speak to, what to say, and what to give them. Because you can be arrested, you can be in jail for the rest of your life, up to being killed in China. And we thought, okay, we don't want that. We've been to other foreign countries that we shared Christ in, and really relied on the Holy Spirit to say, okay, now this is the person that you're going to talk to. And having Mark by my side, or me by Mark's side, waiting to hear God's voice and leading us to that perfect person that we're to share Christ with is amazing when it happens. Um, you know, there's some times in our life that we're digging really deep into that bag of seeds and casting them out as far as we can throw them. And then there's other times that we're in the marketplace or in a foreign country, a Muslim country, and we've been to several and China, and just I'll just say some places that we couldn't just open our mouth any way we wanted to. We had to wait for the Lord to nudge us and say, now's the time. And I would wait for Mark to give me a clue or, the, you know, to, as, a, as a word of confirmation that this is the person, and sure enough, it would be. But didn't Jesus say... I do what the Father is doing. Yes. And so I'm not called to talk to everybody. I'm right. called to stop for the one. I'm called to stop for the one that he highlights. Okay. I'm going to end here because I'd like to do the sinner's prayer for those that would really like to invite Jesus into their hearts right now. Um, now is the time. This is the hour. God is calling you. So um, repeat after me if you feel led to. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse my heart as white as snow. Forgive me for the past, present, and future sins. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for me and on the third day rose and ascended into heaven with the Father. Lord, I believe that, and I ask you to be my Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today, write us, call us, go to our website here. We'd be happy to send you a Bible. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, and God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. 
That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. 